Preach the word. Thank you so much. I don't know if you guys know this young lady right here can do amazing origami, and my, my uh, office is decorated with many of these. So thank you very much, Valerie. Well, good morning. Ooh, wow. That was horrible. <laughs> Maybe the worst ever. Let's try it again. Good morning. All right, yeah, I need a little energy from you guys this morning. Boy, uh, this is a little odd, isn't it? It's going to take a little to settle into this. The good news for those of you who hate this, we're only doing it for five weeks, all right? And uh, for those of you who love this, that you look across and you're like, wow, those people over there have faces. I can't believe it. I didn't know anybody at church had a face. How about that? And you love this? Well, we're going to be doing this for five weeks, so soak it up and enjoy it. And I, I enjoyed this morning uh, sitting right over here, and almost every person over here encouraged me with uh, just your singing and your, uh, your faces as we worshiped. And so uh, this will be a little bit of a different experience for a few weeks that we'll, that we'll do. Before we preach the word this morning, let me just give you a couple of things. One of them is that coming up this weekend is the Disciple Now, Disciple now Weekend. It's for the teenagers in our church and in some other churches. J. Bar J. Church is doing this with us and First Baptist Church. And I really want to encourage you, if you've got teenagers or if you are a teenager, I really want to encourage you to participate. I know some teenagers are sitting over here. So I really want to encourage you guys to participate. We, we spending, we are spending, we spended, we are spending a, a good chunk of money on this particular weekend. And a lot of people are putting a lot of time into it. And it's a chance for your teens to grow in the Lord, to grow closer to Christ. And so I really want to encourage you to make time this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to be a part of Disciple Now. Also, for the rest of you adults, uh, they're going to be doing some service projects on Saturday for two hours from 1.30 to 3.30. And so if there may be some of you adults here who say, I'd like to go and help the teenagers. I'd like to go be a part of that. That's cool. I'm glad teenagers are going to be serving people, and I'd like to be a part of that. And if you would like to be a helper Saturday afternoon from 1.30 to 3.30, you come see me right after church and we'll make sure we get you teamed up with some teenagers, okay? One more thing that I want to tell you about is coming up in about, oh, maybe three weeks, March 23rd, we are having a Gateway 101 class. Now, we do this here at Gateway twice a year, and most of you have been through Gateway 101. This is for people who have been visiting at Gateway and you're thinking about placing membership here. This is how we place membership at Gateway. Uh, other churches do it other ways. Some churches you have to take a test and get voted in. We don't do anything like that at Gateway. Some churches you got to bring a letter and you got to prove that you're this or that. We don't do anything like that. Some churches you just walk up to the front row and you fill out a card. We don't do that at Gateway. What we do at Gateway is we have Gateway 101, and this is our chance to say to you, we want all the cards out on the table. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is the direction we're going. This is how we feel like God is calling us to move forward. And if you want to be a part of that, jump in and be a part. And so you get to have one of Wyatt Sparks Green Chili Cheeseburgers. That's really the only reason most of you have come, okay? And I understand that, and that's why we have him cook them for us. So on March 23rd, if you've been visiting at Gateway and you're thinking about placing membership, I want to encourage you to mark that date uh, for a great evening. Well, we're here at the table, and as Brian said, we've got a picnic today. And we're going to be looking, this whole series, we're going to be looking at scriptures, texts, where Jesus sat down at the table and he ate with people. And, and 
Also, the other thing I want us to do, a couple of times at least, or maybe a few times, is I want us to hear a little bit about your tables. I want us to hear about the table where you eat and some of the special and important things that have happened at tables in your life. And today, I've invited Patricia Chester to come and tell us just a little bit about their table. And so, Patricia, come on up here and have a seat. And Brian's going to give you a microphone as you walk up here, and he's going to turn it on for you. And uh, you guys give her a big gateway welcome. Yay. Come on, sit down. So most of you know this, but just in case you don't, uh, Kim and Patricia have a dude ranch guest, and people guest. guest a guest ranch, excuse me, and people come from all over the world. I'm not joking, all over the world to go on vacation, pay very good money to go to Dexter, New Mexico. No. Oh, to go to <laughs> We're not Dexter, but the Roswell, of New Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> the middle of nowhere. I can't believe they come, okay, except for I know Kim and Patricia, and so I'm not surprised they come. And if you've never gone to their guest ranch before, you need to get out there. You need to just go see it and, and, and see what a special place it is, and I want her to tell you today, they have people all the time guests, I want her to tell you, tell us about the table at your house, and why, is that an important part of, of, the, of the ranch and why? Yes, um, our goal when we decided, well, our first goal was so we could pay the bills because we were starving. It's ranching. a good one. But our, after they started coming, which we still, we can't believe it either, John. We, and can I just look at you and pretend like no one else is here? Sure, okay. yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's what I do every week. I okay. pretend like nobody's here. You know, just I look right. for one person. Um, we, when we started, our goal was to expose our guests to three things, <clears throat> which is our Western way of life, the obvious thing, our family values and our faith. Mm. And we don't preach to them, but we hope that they're exposed to those things. And we decided at the beginning that the table was going to be a big part of it. As it turns out, um, sitting at our table, we do more of that. We're, we're at our table longer than many days in the saddle. So it's probably the majority of the time we spend with them is at our table. Um, we average at least an hour and a half a meal at our table. We wow. set the table, we don't buffet it. I try to, we try to make it where there's as little interruptions as possible, so we pass the potatoes, um, we may, I get up to serve them dessert and maybe to refill their tea. Mm -hmm. But after six days, most of them stay six days, and up until this year it was three meals a day. This year I'm providing them breakfast, but they're eating it on their own because I'm worn out. You're tired. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing what the connections we make. Um, Brian said earlier something about sitting at a table together. You bless people and you're blessed in return, and that happens all the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. Can you think of maybe you said you <coughs> sit there for an hour and a half. I mean, can you think of maybe a meal or a family or a person that was really blessed by their time at, at your table uh, when they came to visit? Oh, I hope they were blessed. Well, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of them were, but can you think of a specific well, special one maybe? What, one story that comes to mind was early. Early when we started taking guests, we had a Jewish family from Sacramento, California, very non-believers in Jesus. They came during Passover, and they, after they booked, they called back and she said, you seem very accommodating. Could we have a Seder meal? Hmm. And I said, sure, help me. I'd tell me what to get, because I don't know. And one thing they needed was a lamb shake, which we could do. We 
had a leg of lamb that night, and he said that's the biggest lamb shank kid ever seen. But um, as they were doing the ritual readings, and the dad was um, explaining the meaning of the the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passing over their house and, and by not killing their firstborn, we as Christians were able to to share our side of it. And we were able to, to tell them, you know, well, as Christians, we believe the correlation to that and being covered by the blood of Jesus and escaping death because wow. of that. So that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Well, that's great. I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I know for sure because I've heard many of them. I know she could tell us a lot of stories about things that have happened there at the table. And we're glad you guys have a good table where you bless a lot of people. What is, what's maybe one of the favorite foods that everybody loves at your table? That most guests say, oh, man, we just love the... Well, we, we cook cowboy and Mexican mainly. And so on the cowboy end of it, other than our own beef, um, what gets the most comments is cowboy beans, which all it is is glorified baked beans. But <laughs> they just think that's really, they're really... Cowboy, cowboy beans. beans. Yeah. I was and that's not a, expecting you to say that. That's the... <laughs> I stumbled onto the recipe, and that's the actual name of the recipe. And I thought, well, the name's fitting. i got to try it. And they like it. So You guys give Patricia a big hand. Thank you so much, Patricia. Appreciate you guys. Well, cowboy beans. That sounds interesting. I want you to think about for just a minute. I'd like for you to tell me if you could only have one meal for the next, let's say... I don't know, let's say maybe the next three years. One meal. You can only have one food. Somebody raise your hand and tell me, what would you have? What would you have? Enchiladas. Ooh, I like that one. That's pretty good. What do you think, Betty? Chicken fried steak. <laughs> Chicken fried steak. All right. What do we got in the back, Alex? Bacon. Okay. You would not be invited to the Jewish Passover, all right? Okay. What do you got, Mary Jane? Seafood, okay, that's kind of cheating because that's sort of a whole thing, but that's all right. What do you got, Scott? Ribeye. Ooh, ribeye, I'm liking that. What, is there anybody in here who would choose chocolate? Anybody? There's no normal people in the building. All right, okay. Well, what we're about to find out here is that Jesus says, Jesus says to us in John chapter 6, one thing on the menu, one thing. And each week we're going to pull up we're going to pull up a chair, we're going to lean in here close, we're going to pay attention to who's at the table with us, and we're going to listen really close to what Jesus says to these people. So let's pray, and then we'll read our text from John chapter 6. Lord God, I thank you for my church family. I just thank you, God, for the, the fact that we are sharing our lives together. We, we know, God, that you've invited us into relationship with you. But that's not just some legal transaction. That's the reality of seeing you face to face. And we're thankful that we have one another that help us see you. God, today as we study, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Help us to hear so clearly what you want each of us to learn as we eat from your word. We pray it in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. John chapter 6, we'll begin in verse Five, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight 
month's wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. What an amazing story. Tell me who's at the table. Who's at the picnic that day? Who's there? What's one of the guy's names? Andrew's one of them. What's the other one? Philip. Okay, let's talk about Philip first. He's first in the deal. So Philip, we're going to call him Mr. Practical. Mr. Practical. He does the math. He says five, five crackers and two fish. And about five to 12,000 people, he does the math and he goes, impossible. No way, can't be done. That is, no way is that going to happen. He's Mr. Practical. I'm Mr. Practical a lot of times in my life. You guys ever been there? I do the math and I go, no way. Now the amazing thing is that Philip has seen Jesus, just a few chapters earlier in the book of John, he's seen Jesus turn water into what? into wine. Well, that, that doesn't add up. That's not possible. And yet he says he did it. But now Philip's saying, no, this is impossible. Just a couple of chapters before this or a chapter or so before, he, he reaches down to a man who's been an invalid for 38 years. And he says, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. That's not possible. That doesn't add up. But Philip is not connecting the dots. He's saying, I'm adding up what we have and what we need, and it will not work. But I wonder if I would be any different. One of the things that's so important for us to realize right here is that Jesus did not ask Philip, can this be done? He didn't do that. He said, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And I think so often we run to, when Jesus says, how can we do this? We run to, we can't do that. It's not possible. And I'm not all that different. Here's a marriage, and it's a mess. And Jesus says, how can we put, how can, how can we as the body of Christ, how can we help put this marriage back together? And I say, that's not possible. That can't be done. It's just too far gone. It's too broken. It's too much of a mess. I'm just like Philip. Or maybe for you teenagers. Maybe for you teenagers. You know, maybe it's for you. Jesus is saying to you, he's saying, hey, I wonder how you could walk across the cafeteria or walk across the school and you could include that person who's a loner. And you go, that, <laughs> you don't know my school. That is impossible. That cannot be done at my school. And Jesus says, I didn't ask if it could be done. I asked, how are we going to do this? Maybe it's, maybe it's something like just saying, we have a youth minister and his family coming. How are we going to afford that? We talked about that a couple of months ago. 
I told you that Amy and I, we're going to increase our giving by 10% when we hire a youth minister. And you may be looking at your budget and you just go, that's impossible. That cannot happen. There's no room left. And God's saying, I didn't ask how. I didn't ask if. He just said, I just ask how. That's what I'm asking. So the first thing we learn is if you have some tendencies to be Mr. Practical, let's not try to tell Jesus what he can or can't do. Let's not tell him that. If he says how, let's get on board and let's see how. Now, it brings us to the second person, because that was Philip. But then when we come to the next person in the text, what's his name? Andrew. We're going to call Andrew Mr. Resource. Because he doesn't know how it's going to work out either. He's a little skeptical himself. But he says, hey, Jesus, I got a resource. I, I found a guy, and he's got a sack lunch. What has he got in it? Let's take a look. Let's see what he's got in his sack lunch at our picnic here. And so he comes walking up and he says, well, this is what we got. We got five loaves. And I used to think these were like big loaves, like the things that you pull out, you know, like out of the oven, the big, yummy, warm, delicious homemade bread. No, these are barley loaves. They're for poor people. We got five poor people's pieces of bread. Here they are. And we've got two fish. You guys know what I'm going to pull out of here, don't you? <laughs> sardines, yeah, that's what we got. We got some fish and sardines. This actually says fish steaks, and it's Louisiana hot sauce. Now, I don't know if that's what he brought to Jesus. I doubt it. Probably no Louisiana hot sauce. But he says, this is Mr. Resource. This is what he brings. He says, that's what I found. That's what we got. And Jesus does the math, and he goes, five plus two for about five to 12,000 people? I could work with that. That'll work. Jesus does the math, and he says, we can do that. We can do that. And we have to ask ourselves today, do we believe what the text says? That Jesus can do a lot with a little. Let me say it again. Jesus can do a lot with a little. As a matter of fact, let me ask you guys to say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus can do a with a that's right. Amen. And that's good news for little kids with sack lunches. That's good news for people like me, who most of my life have felt like, I don't have much. I don't have a whole lot to offer. Maybe for you too. You may feel the same way. I, I just have a little. I barely have anything to offer. But you got to remember, Jesus can do a little. He can do a lot with a little. So let me give you a couple of maybe, maybe these are what come in your sack lunch, okay? Maybe you look in your sack lunch and you say, I don't have much. I mean, all I've got is a little bit of time. All I've got is about, I got about an hour this week. I got about one hour. What do you think Jesus could do with your one little hour? Do you think he could do a lot? With one little hour? Maybe you open up your sack lunch and you say, I don't have much. I've got a little bit. This is all I got right here. I got 10 bucks. I got 10 bucks. What do you think Jesus could do with one hour or with 10 bucks? Now, for time's sake, I'm, I'm really, I really am going to ask you to answer that right now. But I'm only going to give about two of you a chance because we're going to run out of time today and I want to honor that. 
But what do you think? I want you to raise your hand and tell me, what do you think Jesus could do with one hour or with ten bucks? Can I have that microphone real quick? Because I want to make sure everybody can hear this. Mike? Here you go. Share Take cheap, Here you go. Share a cheap lunch. Share your faith. Okay. One hour and ten bucks together. Oh, by the way, I'm free on Tuesday. Okay? All right? What do you got? You could spend that hour working with the youth group on Saturday. Oh, hey, I like that. That lady's thinking. Good job, Rebecca. Okay, I'll give time for one more. Anybody else got one? Anybody in the back rows back here? You guys thought you were going to be in the front rows, but you're in the back rows. Okay? Anybody else? One more? Okay, good. Cindy, thanks. Give us something we could do with one hour or with $10. Take a single mom's uh, two children or how many children to McDonald's for a little break and a smile. Awesome. Give that back to Brian. Thank you. That is awesome. And that's exactly what the same, along the same lines I was thinking. I'm thinking one hour, and I'm thinking there are, there are single parents, and there are also young parents who have young kids. And what if you were to give them one hour of your time? What if you took their kids for one hour? You just surprised them, and you said, we'll keep your kids for one hour. What would you be giving that young couple? Giving that single mom, might be giving that single mom a little sanity, might be giving that couple maybe just an hour to go get a cup of coffee together, reconnect. I mean, I don't want to exaggerate it, and I don't want to be too, you know, crazy about this. But could God save a marriage because you had one hour for a couple to reconnect? Could he do a lot with a little? What about $10? I'm going to give you something. You could do anything with it. These were good ideas. I like the ones that came, they came up with. But I'm going to give you an idea that everybody in here could do. Everybody in this room, this week, I'm going to give you something to do with $10. And I think Jesus is going to do something big with it. Take $10 and go to a store in town and buy a piece of kids' clothing. An article of kids' clothing, or two articles, or however many you can buy for $10. And bring them back to the church Wednesday. And this is what's going to happen. This weekend, our teenagers are going to go out and do some service projects. And one of the service projects they're going to do, they're going to go to the laundromat, and they're going to take some, they're going to take some new clothes with them that you guys are going to bring, and J. Bar J. is going to bring, and First Baptist is going to bring. And they're going to make a sign that says, Love Revolution, and they're going to set it up right in front of the laundromat, and they're going to give some free clothes away to some moms who need some clothes for their kids that weren't expecting that that day. I don't know what Jesus will do with that, but I know this, Jesus can do a lot with a little. And that's what we've got to ask ourselves today. Do we believe that he can do that? Are you Andrew or are you Philip? Now, we're going to finish the story in John 6 here at the end of our sermon, and that is, you know what happens. They go on in John chapter 6, and, and they, they begin, I mean, it's, that was yesterday, and that was the picnic, and now it's the next day, and it's breakfast, and they're following him, and they're saying, more, we want some more food. And he calls them out on it. Listen to verse 26 and 27, John chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus says, you're coming and following me because of what you can get from me. And I have to ask us, 
Are we here because of what Jesus can do for us or give us? Maybe he gets our spouse off our back as we showed up. Maybe it's because we like the people here and it's friendly. Maybe we make some business connections. I don't know. Maybe we're here. There could be a lot of reasons that we might be here. And really it boils down to the question, are we here because of Jesus? Or are we here because of what's around Jesus that he gives to us? That's what we've got to decide today. Is he enough? Because, you see, he says to them, he says, folks, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Is that what you're coming for? Coming for that one item? And when he talks about it, it gets, to be honest, I think a little weird. Because we look in verse 53, and listen to what he says in verse 53. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. That sounded weird to them, and it sounds a little weird to us. It sounds almost a little cannibalistic, doesn't it? But I think what Jesus is saying is... Maybe you like you know that person who loves sports. You know that person? And maybe sometimes we would say they eat, drink, and sleep sports, right? What are we saying? They're consumed with sports. Sports is what they want. That's enough for them. That's all they need. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. That's what he's asking those people. He's saying, until you get me, nothing else is going to satisfy you. Nothing will satisfy. You remember Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones? They wrote a song back in the 60s, and they said uh, something like this. They said, I've tried cars, and I've tried music, and I've tried my clothes, and I've tried my image, and I've tried sex, but I just can't get no satisfaction. And I think that's a great song, personally. I used to play it sometimes in my college class over at ENMU before the Bible class would start. And I remember somebody asked me one time, they said, that doesn't seem like a very good song for you to be playing before Bible class. Mick Jagger, I can't get no satisfaction. And I said, well, go read John 6, because that's really what Mick Jagger is saying. He's saying, he's putting John 6 to music. Try all that you want. But you know what? Until you come to Jesus you're not going to be satisfied. You're going to be getting those foods that spoil that he talked about in verse 27. And this is what I'm going to give you today. I'm going to give you three foods that spoil. Maybe it'll help us remember a little bit if we think about this menu right here. Think about this menu. This says favorite restaurant, and it says menu on it. And it's got some stuff in here. It's got a BLT. You like BLTs, Roy? So-so. Pizza. Maybe some of you are just, you haven't really got out of bed quite yet. You're still waking up. It's got some breakfast over here, omelets, pancakes, all right? If you weren't hungry, at least for me, maybe this is starting to make my mouth water a little bit. We got some uh, of those sliders, those little, you know, those little hamburgers they call sliders. It's so you can eat three hamburgers and feel good about yourself. And so then they got lasagna right here at this favorite restaurant. Maybe you're into Italian food. And uh, then we got enchiladas and quesadillas if you like Mexican food. And I'm seeing these pictures and I'm starting to get kind of hungry back here on the back we got t-bone and steak and shrimp for scott okay because that's what his taste is 
T-bone and steak and shrimp. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm starting to get hungry. And that's what Jesus is doing with this group of people. He's saying, you guys are all hungry and I want to use that little experience that's going on inside your tummy. And I want to tell you that there are things that you're trying to get in this life that are not going to fill you up. And they're not food, but there's some other things that are going on. And so let me give you three of them that we need to avoid on the menu. You ever open a menu and you go, man, that looks good, but I better not have that. <laughs> I have. I've done that several times. Uh, here's the first one. Decadent desserts. Decadent desserts. You know what I'm talking about. Those double chocolate fudge brownies with chocolate chips inside and four things of ice cream and bananas and whipped cream and berries and nuts on top and while we're at it just fry the thing why not you know I mean just come on go all the way and put caramel sauce on it you know and I'm like yes that sounds great and we're going to use that to talk just about one of the menu items that we need to avoid is a thing called hedonism you know what hedonism is it's a lifestyle that says if it feels good do it. And you know what? That's what most of the world is doing. And most of us have done it, and we're still tempted to do it. It feels good, do it. And so we do it. We drive it. We drink it. We eat it. We inject it. We sleep with it. We do whatever that's going to feel good, and it's like a big old huge dessert. And we stumble away from the table, and we feel sick. And we got that great sugar high, but ultimately we feel more empty than we were when we started. Just like Solomon, that's what he did. He just gorged himself on all of those decadent desserts, and at the end he said, it's all meaningless. The second one that we need to avoid on the menu are vegetable plates. Sorry if any of you are vegetarians, and I love vegetables, by the way, so don't throw anything at me. But we, we're going to use that to talk about religion. People who say, I'm going to fill my life up with religion. I'm going to do more good. I'm going to keep the rules. I'm going to go to church more often. I'm going to be more, whatever that is that was religion for you, I'm going to do, 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 better, 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 more, 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 climb, climb, climb. And you may say, well, wait a second, I thought that was good. Well, let me say it this way. When I was in high school, we had a teacher that was our high school teacher, and sometimes teens can ask questions that are pretty challenging. If you've ever been around him, you find that out. And we were asking him questions he couldn't answer. And this is what he said, finally. He said, you know what? I don't know. I can't answer your questions. But here's the deal. Even if I can't prove that the Bible is true, and even if Jesus actually never really came to earth, let's just pretend like that's the deal. Aren't we better off? Aren't we better off living this way than living like the people in the world? And as a high school student, I'm thinking, uh-uh. No, we're not. I want a piece of pie, please. Thank you very much. I, and, and you know what? I understand what he's saying now. I mean, later, as an adult, I understand. Yeah, there's some good things about living the Christian lifestyle that are beneficial. But Paul says it this way. If this right here is not true, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he says in 1 Corinthians, then all of you in here are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. You're fools for living the way you are. If we're just holding up religion as a different lifestyle and saying it's a better lifestyle, choose this lifestyle instead of the hedonistic lifestyle, no. We're missing the ingredient that matters. So, desserts, 
Vegetables, last one. Here's the last one. We got to avoid those huge appetizers, right? You know when you order appetizers, say, you want a little appetizer before dinner? And they bring you like a plate that's so huge, you, you're just like, I, I don't have a place left to put anything after this. And, and so those are just the things in our life, whatever they are, that take away the hunger for the Lord. They could be good things. It could be your career. It could be your family. It could be a, a cause. It could be a hobby. It could be your friendships. It could be anything that you just say, you know what, that takes my time up, it fills my time up, and I don't feel so empty. We need to avoid those things. We need to avoid those things that are on the menu of life. Now, I think you're probably all sitting here saying, at least I would be if I was you, John, I know this. Jesus is the bread of life. Okay, I know. He's the only one that will satisfy us. We got it. We're here. We're at church. Yeah, we know that. Let's be honest for a minute. Every one of us, at certain seasons in our life, even though we know that right here in our head, we're really not very hungry for him. Not that hungry for the things of God. Could take him or leave him. Either way. Now, if that's the case, if that's how you feel today, I want to encourage you to do three things as we finish. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to pray. Because God's the only one that can change our hearts. Can't get enough rules, can't get a sermon, can't get enough one, two, threes, and do this and this and this, and then you'll get this hunger. Just pray and ask God to give you a hunger for him if you don't have one. Here's number two. Ask yourself the question, why? Why don't you have a hunger for God? Is it possible that you've filled up on a bunch of these other things? Your plate is full. Last night we were getting ready for dinner, and uh, Toby was so sweet she brought us some dinner because Amy hadn't been feeling good, and Amy had also made some cookies. And so right before dinner, I mean literally, like dinner is going to happen in one minute, and Josh goes, can I have some cookies? You know, and I understand that. I like to eat dessert before my meal, but do you know what Amy said? No, you can't have any cookies right now. You'll ruin your dinner. You'll ruin your appetite. You can't do that. And you've got to ask ourselves, have I filled up with so many other things, I've just ruined my appetite for Jesus. There's nothing left. And if that's the case, here's the third thing I want to encourage you to do. I'm going to invite you to do something with me that I'm doing right now. And that is to take something off your plate between now and Easter. To take one thing off your plate between now and Easter. A lot of Christians at all kind of churches around the world right now, starting back on Ash Wednesday, they're doing this, and they call it Lent. And, and it's a deal where they might give up something they like, maybe alcohol, or they give up chocolate or whatever, and you get lots of jokes about it and all kind of stuff, and it becomes a ritual, and nobody, it doesn't really mean anything, but it doesn't have to be meaningless. It doesn't have to be a ritual. It certainly does. We don't want it to be something that we would do to earn our salvation. Now, that's way off base, okay? That's not what this is. I'm letting you know that my family, thanks to my daughter, Raina, who uh, is the one who's led us in this for uh, several times in the last few years. She's asked, could we give something up until Easter? And so Raina, on her own, decided she's going to give up soft drinks and Facebook. That's what she's going to give up until Easter. And I decided, as her dad, I'm going to join her Except I really don't do much on Facebook, so I'm just going to give up soft drinks, okay? And uh, giving up Facebook wouldn't mean much to me. But I'm going to give up soft drinks between now and Easter for the next several weeks. And you might say, so 
what? Who cares? Why are you telling us this dumb story? Well, here's the reason. Because I know almost every day of my life, I drink a soft drink. And almost every day of my life, I, I want a soft drink. I, I go to the store for whatever, and I see a soft drink. I think, oh, while I'm here, I'll get a Diet Dr. Pepper. I'll get a Diet Coke. And for the next several weeks, what I'm going to be doing is, when I reach for that and I start to get it, I'm going to go, oh, no, and I'm going to pray. God, I want you. Increase my thirst for you. Would you do that for me, God? So there's nothing that's, I'm not earning anything. It doesn't make me special to give something up. It's just a discipline that I'm going to do and that Rain is going to do, and we're inviting you to do with us. To find something. Maybe for you it's maybe for you it's giving up an hour of sleep. Or maybe not an hour. How about let's be realistic? How about ten minutes? Okay? That between now and Easter, you say, I'm gonna get up ten minutes earlier than I normally do, and I'm gonna read God's word. Because I want God more than I want sleep. Maybe for you it's just simply saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna give up. Maybe it could be an, something that's an idol, a sin in your life. And you say, I'm gonna concentrate on that these next several weeks because i want god more than i want this maybe it's some part of media for you maybe it's a tv show and you love watching it every week but you say for the next four weeks i'm not going to watch that i'm just going to skip it i mean these days you could dvr it anyways and you really wouldn't be missing anything would you you could watch it after easter but whatever it is that you get creative and you say i'm going to give up something between now and easter i want to give something up because i want to be more hungry for jesus you know the end of the story in John 6. He didn't give them any food. They were looking for the menu, and he said, I only got one thing on the menu. Open it up, and it's the bread of life. Turn the page, bread of life. Turn the page, bread of life. That's it. That's all he's got. And it wasn't enough for them, and a bunch of them left. A bunch of them left. And the question today, for you and for me, is Jesus enough? If he's the only thing on the menu, is he enough? So as we have our invitation song today, if you've never initially said to Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, you come and find me. I'm going to sit down by my wife over here, but you come find me if you want to do that. We'll baptize you in Christ today. But if you today need prayer, these four chairs are going to have elders sitting in them. And if you need prayer because, yeah, it's true, you really, well, you're really not that hungry for Jesus and you need someone to pray for you. These elders, they're going to be here to pray. So let's stand up. These elders are going to come and let's sing. I am not skilled to understand. I am not skilled to understand. What God has will, what God has planned. What God has will, what God has planned. I only know at his right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take him at his word and deed. Christ died to save me, this I read. And in my heart I find a need of Him to be my Savior. 
that he would leave his place on high and come for sinful man to die. You count it strange, so once did I. Before I knew my Savior, my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God always gonna be. Yes, living, dying, let me bring my strength, my soul is from this spring. That he who lives to be my king.